Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, I'm George Cup, And I'm Callum Gurr. And you're about to listen to the podcast version of To Be Discussed with Cup and Gurr. Please note that this is a podcast. So it's not a live broadcast. So please do not try to vote in any of the polls or send in messages to any of our discussions as your message will not be registered, but you may still be charged. Also, please note that not all of the opinions expressed in this podcast are our actual opinions, but may be expressed to create a better discussion. Anyway, enjoy the podcast and don't miss our live broadcast every Sunday on Wizard Radio Station. Hello everyone, this evening Callum and I will prove to you that you can have impassioned debates whilst holding vastly different opinions without falling out at the end of the night. So this evening we will be discussing, is a warless society possible? What is your favourite sport? And lastly, does having a romantic partner change your life? With each of these discussions being accompanied by polls, which you have the chance to vote on wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. And these discussions will be open until the end of the song break between each topic. But first, last week we asked you guys to send in your opinions on the question. What would you do if you saw a friend or family member break lockdown rules? And as ever, we've had some really, really interesting opinions come in. Trevor says, this probably sounds so bad, but I think I would probably turn a blind eye if I saw someone I knew breaking lockdown rules. I think everyone is so fed up with the rules now and people are so confused too that you can't blame them. Also, it would be a bit hypocritical of me because I'm pretty sure I've broken lockdown rules before. I think you're lying if you say you have followed all of the lockdown laws laws to the letter of the law and haven't broken a single one of them at least once. So who am I to rat on a friend just because they've slipped up? I also just don't believe in ratting on people, especially people who mean something to you. George, what do you make of that? Do you agree with uh, Trevor's opinion there? I, um, to a degree, agree with uh, what Trevor is saying. I, I definitely can see the, the the point of, you know, absolutely, um, I don't think anyone has actually 
stayed and kept to the lockdown rules to a hundred percent um i think we've all broken them in in some way or another um whether we have meant to or we've done it accidentally or something like that um and i think that for little minor kind of um things in in terms of the lockdown rules uh, you know sometimes some people do forget to wear a mask into the store i mean i've often walked into a shop uh gone onto the doors saw someone wear a mask on oh no and so quickly put my mask on um because sometimes you just you know it's not something you think about you just sometimes just go in the shop after work and you're just not really with it a hundred percent um but i think in more serious cases when it comes to a member of my family or um a friend um who's got coronavirus and if they chose to go outside instead of self-isolating i wouldn't so much report them but i would definitely kind of threaten them and, and give them that guidance of look if you keep doing this i will have no choice then to report you to someone to just to try and stop them from doing that um as much as i agree you should never snitch on your friends or family um it's a very serious matter especially if someone is diagnosed with covid19 what, what are your thoughts callum yeah i think i um broadly agree with what you're saying there george i, I mean i definitely sympathize with what you're saying trevor in terms of not not wanting to to snitch on um your friends or family and and with the fact that yes i think everyone has broken the lockdown rules in some way because i mean as much as anything i think they've not always been the clearest it's probably one reason why people have inadvertently broke the the, the lockdown rules or at least the the restrictions post the the kind of more formal lockdown that we've seen. Um, but I, then I definitely agree with what you're saying, George. If someone's got coronavirus or coronavirus symptoms and they continue to travel and things like that, I think that that is cause to, um, if necessarily, I think um, snitch on them because at the end of the day, you're doing a good for everyone. The, the idea is if someone has got coronavirus or symptoms of the coronavirus, they should be not then risking spreading it further and, and meaning that it's more likely everyone else goes back into a lockdown and things like that. Um, and I think actually what you just said, George, raises a really interesting question in terms of, um, I mean, do, do you actually honestly believe you should never snitch on your, your friends and family, like you said, or was that more of a turn of phrase as such? Oh, I don't. I'm not going to, you know, stand by that religiously. If if one of my members of family had killed someone, I'm not going to yeah. be like, I don't know who did it. I've no idea. Um, You know, I, I will be like I'm playing Cluedo. I want to find out who the killer was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Um, <laughs> Weird um, scenario. Yeah, there, Cluedo. Nice one, George. <laughs> yeah. Um, so <laughs> let's move into our next opinion from Daniel. And he says, for me, it depends if they've done it intentionally or not. If I've seen someone purposely break the rule of six or purposely go into a shop without wearing a mask, then that's different to me than if it's just a mistake or it was done innocently. If I saw a friend making a mistake to do with the lockdown rules, then I would probably just assume it was a mistake and either not say something or pick them up on it in a friendly way. But that's different to if I saw if I saw that they were going to a party with loads of people there and they knew they were breaking the rules. That's just really selfish in my opinion, so I would pull them up on it. 
The same thing is true with masks. If a friend has forgotten to wear a mask, then I might remind them. But if they purposely weren't wearing one, which I feel like never happens, but if they did, then I'd have a go at them. Callum, can you kind of actually stand with what Daniel's saying there? Yeah, I think I think it's really kind of similar to, to what we, we were just saying in response to Trevor's opinion, really, in terms of... Um, Obviously, if it seems like there's an intention to it or it's a real kind of flagrant um, breaking of the rules, then I think maybe it is something to to say about. I mean, obviously, we talked in the with the last opinion about snitching and things like that. But I mean, obviously, Daniel, I think, has got it right in terms of just speaking to them, having a go at them and and things like that, if if necessary. Um, So, so, yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with what what Daniel is saying there. What about you, George? Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, Daniel's pretty much said it better than what I was trying to say in the first um, first opinion. So, I mean, Daniel, if you want to send an application to host the show, please do um, <laughs> and replace me. Um, but I, I definitely stand by with what Daniel was saying there. Um, and I think as well, as much as peer pressure is a is a bad thing in, in many cases, it can also be quite a good thing because if a majority of you in your friendship group are are wearing masks and actually abiding by the, the rules that have come in, then often you will see those that don't particularly want to abide by them will start forming into that kind of um, law abiding citizen. And, and I think that's really important. When all of you start doing something, you will kind of set a trend and people want to follow it. Um, and I think that Daniel is so right. The most important thing there is to ensure that if someone is finding it difficult and someone's unsure about the situation, then just talk to them. You know, it's it is actually a very daunting thing. I, I don't really enjoy wearing masks. It doesn't help my breathing with my asthma and things like that. But um and it can be daunting for the, for the older generation as well. So I think sometimes just having open that conversation and just being like, you know, why aren't you wearing a mask and things like that. I really, really do think that just having a very nice one to one conversation can go a long way in these situations. Yeah. And I think one other thing I'd say with the mask wearing situation is you do also have to remember that some people are medically exempt from wearing a mask, of course. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, George, obviously, you've just said you struggle wearing a mask anyway. And, and there's a lot of people who really, really struggle wearing them. Um, and it leaves them really short of breath. And so we mm. also have to be considerate about the fact that, you know, when we're on public transport, someone not wearing a mask isn't necessarily that, they're, that they don't care about their their fellow man sort of thing. Um, it may well be that they're medically exempt and, and that's why they're not wearing one. Yeah, exactly. Um, next opinion's in from Sophia. Sophia says, I've been in this situation where I've had to remind friends that we're in a global pandemic and that they can't just break the rules because they're bored. The rest of us are here having boring summers and having a rubbish time sticking to the rules and I don't think it's acceptable for someone to break them for any reason. You're not special. You need to follow the rules too. I just pulled them to one side, messaged them and remind them that they're potentially putting everyone in a worse position by trying to break the rules and spreading the virus. You can't complain if you're not following the rules and the people breaking the rules are the same ones complaining that they don't work. Well, we'll never know if you keep breaking them. Uh, these people really irritate me. <laughs> George, what do you make of that? Very strong opinion. Yeah, do you know what, Sophie? Good for you. Uh, I think it's uh, a right, very right opinion to have, actually, because um, I think what a lot of people forget, those that do break the rules, is that it's not something that will just affect them. That wearing the mask is not to overly protect yourself. It's actually to protect the others around you. Um, and 
we've got to realize that this this virus is not something that um, it's not just about protecting ourselves. It's about protecting the others around us, because there are those that um, are a lot more vulnerable than than ourselves. And especially being the ages that we all are um, being younger, we have a lot more of a, an advantage than those that are in their 50s and above, actually. Um, and we've got to really actually care about what we're doing and, and, and realize the impacts of the decisions that we may take um, during this lot during this um, time with, with the coronavirus. And we've got to ensure that we follow these rules, because as much as a nuisance they may be, they are in place to ensure that everyone's safety is number one priority and to make sure that people can have a chance of getting through this virus and to make sure that, that we can come out the other side. Um, I know it can be hard right now, but we've got to get through this hard times to make sure that we can, as a country, as a world, ensure that there is a future for us. Yeah, I mean, Sophia's opinion has just reminded me of um, something that happened to me, I think it was last week. Um, so not this week, just gone the week before. I was uh, I was at the, the train station waiting for a train and uh, sat on a bench, um, which clearly said do not use if like the other seat next to me. As such, and um, some some lady comes and just sits right next to me, and I'm so British about it that of course I don't say anything. But I was very very annoyed about it. Um, I mean, have you had any just very briefly, George? Have you had any situations like that? I had a guy um, a couple of days ago. I was in the shop, and um, he was he was. I'm pretty sure he had no medical issues, but he was in the shop without a mask, and he stood over my shoulder and started coughing. Wow. Um, and. Uh, because he was trying to look at the same food item that I was, and I just turned around and said, "Could you stop coughing, please?" and just walked off because um, <laughs> he was he was really scary, and I wanted to run away. Yeah, yeah well, at least you weren't <laughs> really British like it, like I was. So that, that, <laughs> well, I had to, I had to, I said it politely. I wasn't like, you know, go away. I was like, please. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. Fair. Um, right then, remember we are announcing what the question will be for you to send in your opinions on at the end of tonight's show. So make sure you're ready for that, for the chance to be featured in this segment of next week's show. We've reached time for the first song break this evening, so we'll be back. Hello and welcome back to To Discuss. So let's move on to our second discussion of this evening. And we're asking, is a warless society possible? So it has been a few years now since a major war has happened. The biggest and last war to really make a devastating impact on the world was obviously World War Two. And for a very long time, there has been possibilities that there could have been a World War Three um, with different Cold Wars going on and also civil wars that have been going on as well. But the question is, can do democracy and, and diplomats, a di diplomatic approach really help and ensure that a wall of society is possible? Talking to people, talking to leaders may be the way around of ensuring that no one has to go to war, that no nuclear bombs are launched and no deaths have to happen. Callum, what are your thoughts? I think that, um, unfortunately, uh, a warless society is not possible. Um, I, I very much wish it was. And in an ideal world, I'd say. It, it seems like it could be theoretically, but then when you think about the fact that we've had war around, you know, all throughout history, really, and it's it's kind of in human nature to, as a 
not off, not always a last resort, although it should be a last resort, turn to violence if we can't solve kind of issues. Um, it, it means that it's it's just always going to happen to a certain extent, I think, war. Um, I, I mean, if you think about, I mean, obviously you mentioned probably the last major worldwide conflict was the, the Second World War, but we've seen plenty of flare-ups that have... Yeah drawn in a loss of powers from around the world um and even now um maybe war isn't in such a formal sense where countries declare war where it's actually countries against each other although obviously we do still see that happen but but often nowadays we we see things where it's a war on a kind of non-state actor um like terrorist groups for example and things like that and so i think that's all evidence of the fact that as much as we try and create a peaceful world and we aim for a world that's completely peaceful, mm. it's just never quite going to be possible because as much as kind of peace evolves in many ways, if you think about we had the League of Nations between the um, the First World War and the Second World War, and then we went to the United Nations to try and have peace after the Second World War, so peace evolves, but so does war as well. And as I say, we, we've moved to fighting wars, or at least in a Western sense, against different kinds of actors. But it's still here and it's still ever present. Um, and I just don't think it's possible that we'll ever have a completely warless society unless we're counting once we've all gone extinct or something like that. And maybe <laughs> we might. Uh, what, what do you think, George? Yeah, I think that unfortunately... Um the answer to this question has to be um, no, because um, we have no idea who will come into power in any given country. Um, and we have no idea what ways in which they will choose to rule that country. Um, and, you know, what actually will cause them to fall out with other um, leaders of countries and, and et cetera. And I think that um, Callum is so right that as much as there are, things in place to ensure that peace can happen and peace can try and be achieved the idea of war has also incredibly evolved and you know i think that the the biggest thing about war right now is that it's not about um hand-to-hand combat like it used to be it is now an online war um you know president trump if you wanted to could literally switch tell someone or, or put a key into something and press a switch and um, he could nuke the whole of Europe if he really wished to. And there wouldn't be he, no one would question him on that. He is the he is the leader of America and he would he has the right to do that. Um, and that is a, it's a very scary power to have. I mean, I've always been someone that believes that war should always be the last um possibilities should always be the last thing that happens you should always ensure that you have to have those discussions and you have to be diplomatic and and make sure that you can come to the table and try and have those peace talks together but ultimately as well i I think that a big world war i don't know whether or as much that will happen because i think a big world war will will mean that it will be the end of humanity because the the weapons that we have nowadays are so powerful that if there was a world war we would just simply wipe each other out and I think that there will be no 
world leader, stupid enough, well, I hope not, that would allow that to happen. But I do think they will keep going of these civil wars in countries where they are, a lot of them are trying to overpower um, either communist leaders or dictatorships. And in a weird way, as much as I don't agree with war, I do actually see that the, the sense in that to try and overpower um, their leaders to, to ensure that they can then have a more democratic system in place. And we've seen that in many different countries. Um, I mean, yes, some of them haven't worked after they the people have taken power, if you like. Um, but in the majority of them, they have actually worked where people have taken power and introduced a more democratic system. <laughs> Um, and I think that's really important as much as the the talks should happen. Um, unfortunately, you just don't get anywhere with those. And I think sometimes it has to be said that actions do speak louder than words. Um, so, it's, I mean, Callum, do you think that if every society had a democratic system in place where there was general elections, where there was no fixtures going in place or anything like that do you think then we would see less of the civil wars going on or do you think even still you would get the the small um gathering of people that really want to get rid of their leader and and as such choose to to go about it in in a violent way i think we'd probably see less civil wars if every society was was democratic and and not just democratic in terms of they have an election but also that their entire civic society is built around the notion of democracy. I mean, that their courts are completely um, kind of independent of influence from the government and and things like that. Um, then I think we'd see um, less uh, civil wars, as you say. But I still think that even under those circumstances, we won't be able to see a completely warless society because there'll always be these these non-state actors, these uh, these political parties that want to have uh, that that want to create a kind of insurgency through violence that will sometimes be kind of a big enough threat to class it as a war against them. Because obviously, in in say in the British um, system, I wouldn't say we're at war with um, the the far right groups that organise these marches, sort of thing, because. They're not a big enough threat. I think even in if every society was democratic, I think there would still be in some of these societies mm. enough of these people to class it as some kind of war. Um, yeah. I mean, do, do you agree with me there, George? Yeah, I, 100 percent. I think that even if there was a democratic system in place, it doesn't necessarily mean that will absolutely wipe out um, wars from happening, because I still think that it's not just about democracy. It's also about, um, you, you know, third world countries. They do not have the, the facilities and, and the luxuries that we have in, in our country. And I think that also puts a lot of pressure on, on citizens as well to have an uprising. Um, do you ever fear Callum that as you've mentioned you know the far right have been marching also the far left have been marching and during Brexit especially we had a lot of disagreeing politically and a lot of people falling out uh, did you ever fear for the potential of a civil war erupting in the United Kingdom or do you think there could be one in the future or do you believe in our de democratic system and, and, the, and the, the ability that we have freedom of speech in this country etc I never feared um, there being a civil war, despite the the difficulties I suppose we've faced. Um, 
I don't fear one happening in the future. I do, um, as you say, George, believe in uh, the democratic system we have. I mean, obviously, I'm on record as saying I think it could be more democratic in terms of the voting system and things like that. But broadly speaking, I, I've always believed in that, and I think the majority of the country does, which means the risk of civil war as a kind of last route towards um, a particular group enacting change is is far less necessary uh, and so far less of a risk. I mean, what what do you think, George? Is it something you feared or fear in the future? No, I, I don't I don't think so. And um I think that we have a very good system in, in this country where that if you do disagree with the state, then there isn't anyone telling you that you can't do that. Um and that if you want to protest about that if you want to shout about it then the government's not going to say no you can't do that they're going to allow you to protest on the streets and they're going to make sure that you know democratically and and rightly so that you are heard um, because your opinion is is just as right to be heard as anyone else's um and i think that is so important if we had more of a policing state where um, people weren't allowed to come out and protest you would have those angers really starting to boil yeah. and because of what we have in place it means that people are allowed to release some of that frustration meaning that they don't feel as if they have to then take it up to the next level i mean yes you do have the protests that are so angry that they then turn into riots but even still i, I think a riot is a completely different bracket of of um, it's it's nowhere near the the, the idea and, and definition of what war is or yeah. a civil war is and and I think a riot is is again as much as I think it's bad and everything I think the government in a weird way allows riots to happen because they know it's a way of frustration to be released of those that are incredibly um, passionate about the cause that they're marching on um, and I, and I think that that is really important and we see it in so many countries that don't have our system in place where they don't allow peaceful protest or even riots and things like that where where we that's where civil war kind of comes out and and i mean callum do you think the biggest thing in all of this then is that to ensure that civil war doesn't break out or even war in general doesn't break out is to ensure that everyone's human rights especially of freedom of speech and and the right to have a peaceful protest do you think those are kind of like the key um pillars here to ensure that we do to our best of ability see a wall of society in the long term yes i mean i think we we've seen in certain societies where they've gone from having a dictatorship to then having more of a working towards a democratic system i wouldn't say it's a completely democratic system because the courts and things like that haven't quite got to that point but what we've seen in these kind of societies that when that kind of glue holding them together in terms of a dictator goes they can then fall into a civil war so you could argue that the dictator was preventing that but i think probably all all that that dictator would be doing is kind of putting a, a plaster over the problems underneath that society so i think in the long term democracy and, and building that proper democratic process is so important to preventing um civil wars from happening yeah and um how do you think this poll is going to go i think that 75 percent of people will say no a wall of society is not possible what about you 
yeah, I'm going to say about 80% of people will say no. But there is only one way to find out, and that's for all of you lovely people to go and vote on this poll. Is a wall of society possible? And you can do that at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. And we'll be back after this. Hello and welcome back to To Be Discussed. So before that break, we asked, is a wall of society possible? And to find out the results of that, please go to our Twitter page. That's at WizRadio. Right then, time to move on to our third discussion of this evening. And we're asking, what is your favourite sport? So I'm on a little bit of a high from the sport at the moment because uh, my, my football team, Aston Villa just uh, beat the champions of England. Oh, I say just. I mean, it would have been uh, uh, over a week. Um, no, oh, no, it would have been exactly a week when this uh, the show is broadcast. Um, but they just beat the champions of England 7-2. Um, and so, of course, I'm absolutely loving sport at the moment, and particularly <laughs> football. So for me, my favourite sport is probably football, I would, I, I would say. Um, but of course, we know that our listeners are very much different to ourselves. And so we're asking you the question, what is your favourite sport uh, out of the following? Football, rugby, cricket, F1 in there for George, uh, <laughs> or that, that really good sport, really riveting game of other. Uh, George, um, w- what is your favourite sport? There? I mean, I've kind of just given a spoiler away, haven't I? Yeah, yeah. You have. It's uh, it's football. My you wouldn't believe it. My team um beat the champions of England um seven two. It was incredible to watch. I was really passionate about it. Um, no, I couldn't give two rabbits whether or not they beat them or not. Um, wow. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something bad now. I thought thought we we're going to have to re-record, Josh. Oh. No, I, I I went with rabbits instead of a swear word. Did, yeah, uh, it's a good, good tactic. Just it's instead good. of saying a swear word, you say an animal. It's really yeah. good. Mm. Um, so I I mean I I do occasionally watch watch football and and um a lot of my <laughs> all of my uh, friendship group watch football and often they will sit there and talk about football and I've got no idea what's going on. <laughs> um, but I this year I have tried to stay up to date. I've been watching some games and, and my team is Arsenal. Um, and I mean, we haven't been doing too badly. And we I even play FIFA. So that is something to say. <laughs> and I mean, when I said to my girlfriend that I played FIFA, she was in shock because she was like, you don't like football. And I was like, well, there's a different side to me. You don't know, um, which she wasn't too pleased about. So I, um, I do like football. I, I especially like football when it's like, you know, the World Cup and everything, because um, I can be passionate and pretend that I know what the hell I'm talking about when I shout at defenders for not defending. And it turns out they're actually a striker. Um <laughs> So it's it, it's a good game to watch when you're with people. I don't really think I can do it just by myself. Um, but my two favourites, um, to get serious here, is Formula One and rugby. I absolutely love rugby. Um, it's I, I love watching it. I used to like playing it. Um, and for me, I think that's a proper kind of physical proper sport where you can really get involved and I th- I find it very I don't know I find it very thrilling and everything it's it's great great sport to watch but um for me the my one sport that I will always 
make sure I I watch and and I mean I've even um said to Millie my girlfriend that I can't see you today because the Formula One's on sorry um so it's Formula One I absolutely love Formula One um I don't know why I love it because a lot of people maybe rightly will say it's a very boring thing they might even say it's not even a sport um but it's actually a very physical thing you have to be incredibly fit to be a formula one driver um and the the technology and the the mindset and the how clever you have to be to ensure that your car is competitive is is unbelievable um and i think that for me formula one is is one of the most clever and incredible sports to watch because a lot of them are putting their lives at risk every single day well every race that they they go in and qualifying as well and and for me that kind of thrill is 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 incredible um i mean i'm not even going to talk about cricket because everyone can hit a ball with a bat callum <laughs> well as i know from school that that's not necessarily true but, yeah um... we, we did need to open your eyes and then you would have done it <laughs> <laughs> for me with cricket bowling was the bit I really struggled with I mean I just I, I just couldn't do it my dad was trying to um, teach me the other day um, we didn't have to bowl or anything <laughs> we were just um, he was just I don't know I can't remember why but he was trying to teach me to bowl <laughs> basically but I just my arm doesn't physically I don't know maybe I'm double jointed or maybe I'm just an idiot probably yeah, that it's, yeah it's probably that one <laughs> But it's interesting hearing you talk about F1, obviously, as well, because um, if anyone's ever played the F1 game, I mean, obviously, <laughs> I know you play it, George, a lot, and I, I played it, I can't remember what one I had, but it was like back in 2013 or something like that, but it was very hard, really, really hard, that game. Um, and so I think that is evidence of the fact that, okay, um, F1 is maybe not, F sport in the more conventional terms, but it's really, really difficult, and it takes a massive amount of skill to be an F1 driver. Um, and I mean, especially when it's you know physically, I mean, they do actually put their lives at risk, as we have seen um, in in previous years. So it is it is a really tough sport that one. Um, it's it's not my favourite sport though, for sure. I mean, obviously, as I said, football um, is my favourite. Absolutely love football. In terms of what my second favourite sport is, uh, I would say, I mean, it, it probably slightly depends on whether or not we're talking about playing it or watching it. But I, I think broadly speaking, I'd say tennis is um, oh, yeah. my, my um, second favourite sport. I, I love playing tennis. I like watching Wimbledon. I wouldn't say I watch it any more religiously than that. Um, and so for me, I think tennis is pretty good. I mean, I, I heard you say, oh, oh, yeah. So, I mean, is that something actually that now, now I've mentioned it? Do you think tennis would come higher on your yeah, list above rugby, I, maybe? Yeah, I, I, comp- I don't know why I forgot about it. I, I absolutely love tennis. And um, when my nana was alive, I used to always watch it with her. Um, and I I love playing it as well. I always I love playing it with Callan because I always beat him. Um, oh, it, yeah. It's quite funny. When he hits a ball, he just falls over. It's really funny. Um <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Again, I keep saying cool. to him, "Open your eyes, Callum." <laughs> um, no. um, but tennis, yeah, and I love watching Andy Murray. Andy Murray, when he was at his full um, fitness level, was fantastic to watch. And when he won Wimbledon twice, um, it was amazing. Callum, what, did you watch that round my house once? Um, not none, none, none of the finals. No. Oh, well, it must have been a different friend. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if you have any of them, do you, George? 
no comment. Um, <laughs> so, my, but also in my other section, um, I would definitely have something that I grew up doing, which was sailing. Um, I think sailing is very much a sport that is never really thought about and, and people don't often do very much. Um, but obviously Callum and I are very lucky that we live on the coast um and a sea- sailing is is a thing to is a thing to do and, and i grew up doing sailing um i did it every single week um it's a very physical very skilled thing you have to understand winds and sails and all of that kind of thing and i used to love doing it and it kept me fit um but yeah i think sailing for me is definitely going into that other category um i mean callum what what kind of sports have you never played that you wish that you could go and play i mean is it something like balls or bowling or something like that um no no i don't think so um it's a very good question george thanks um i I suppose i've never really played um volleyball or hockey very much i mean we did do hockey a little bit in school um and, and volleyball played it kind of recreationally once or twice before but but I've never really um played it that, that much and I think I'd enjoy both of those um a bit more so that so they're definitely ones that I would like to play a bit more of or even watch a little bit of as well I mean what about you George just very briefly I think for me it would definitely be something like lacrosse or something okay um for me I think that's something that's it looks really good to play um i mean i don't think i'm fit enough i could probably be on there for about five minutes and then be out of breath um <laughs> but i think it just looks fascinating that you know how you have to catch the ball in the little weird extended glove thing um and yeah i think it just looks really good to me yeah no, that's fair enough and and what do you think is going to come out on top here george Oh, unfortunately, I'm going to say I think football will come out on top. But, um, you know, just do just do me a good and ladies and gents and give me a Formula One victory, please. Um, what do you think, Callum? <laughs> I wonder, I think you're probably right, football will. But I'll, I'll say rugby just to mix things up a little bit. All right. There's only one way, of course, to find out, though, and that's for you guys to vote away on this poll. What is your favourite sport? You can do that at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen and there's options again are football rugby cricket f1 or other and we'll be back very soon hello and welcome back so before the break we asked what is your favorite sport and to find out results to that poll head over to our twitter page that's at with radio Right, okay, let's move on to our fourth discussion of this evening. As always, the most important discussion of the evening. Um, and we're asking, does having a romantic partner change your life? So I am really sorry to, to break this to all of you, but both Callum and myself are off the single market. Um, Callum is in a very happy relationship and, and so am I. Um, and we've both been in the relationships newly this year. Um, and, they both seem to be going very well. Um, jinx, touch wood, you know, make sure that, that doesn't, I haven't jinxed that. Um, but the interesting thing is, is personally, I feel as if my life is a lot better with my girlfriend. Um, I'm a lot happier. I seem to be a lot more jolly. Um, and I think that 
it is all because of um, Millie. I think that her coming into my life has, has made me a lot of a happier person. So I think that um, she has definitely changed my life, if you like. But I think as well, it is only right to mention that I have had previous relationships that have changed my life for the worst, where they have, were very bad breakups and things like that. Um, and I think that when we say change your life, it shouldn't just always be seen as a positive thing. I think it's right to mention that there can be negative effects as well. But Callum, let's go on a happy note. And uh, how's how's things going with with Lily? I know it's confusing everyone. I've got Millie and Callum's got Lily. So try and keep up. <laughs> things are going well, thanks, George. Yeah. Good. Um, <laughs> I don't want to really delve too much into that. No, yet, mate, but, go for it. Uh, you know, yeah, the thing, things are going very nicely, yeah, very smoothly. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, you say, George, obviously we've both got, we've both got girlfriends. I mean, obviously we're recording this on the, on the Saturday, um, just for everyone just to, to know. So we've, we've only got 24 hours to stay together to make sure that this stays accurate. So <laughs> I'm going to work my hardest, um, to, to make that a reality. Um, but in, in all seriousness, I mean, I think it has um, changed my life in, in, in many ways, um, not necessarily in some kind of grand way. I mean, as you say, George, I certainly feel happier and, and all of that. But um, in terms of it, it just means, you know, often at weekends, I used to not really have much to do. But, but now I go and see Lily at the weekend, generally speaking. Um, and, and so it, it just in very small ways, in, in many ways, it can add up to making you much more more happy. But as you say, George, I mean, it, it's not necessarily that having a romantic partner, which um, George tells me sounds a bit weird. So maybe I, I wrote <laughs> this question slightly wrong. Uh, but having a romantic partner isn't doesn't necessarily it's not the be all and end all for everyone at the end of the day. Um, and. and uh, I mean, certainly, I was I was happy enough when I was single, uh, and I'm I'm obviously more happy now um, now that I have a girlfriend. But um, it not necessarily means that that that's the only way to be happy, is what I'm effectively saying. I mean, do you have any kind of words of uh, words of wisdom, George? Oh, I don't think anyone wants to hear my wisdom. Um, no, but <laughs> but I, I just a couple of points I would like to make, though, is firstly, I think that it is evident on your your behalf, Callum. I, I think that um, from my point of view, you, you definitely are a lot happier and a lot more, I don't know, a lot more jolly in yourself. Um, yeah. But ultimately, I think it's very important what Callum says is that you don't. To, to be happy, you don't have to be in a relationship. I mean, I was single for, um, two, th- three and a half years, um, for, and, and during that time, I was perfectly happy. I was, I was very content with the idea of being single. I didn't mind being single. I mean, yes, I always was like, oh, I wish I was in a relationship, but in actual fact, it made me be able to do whatever I liked, whatever I liked. I didn't have any, major commitments of having to see my girlfriend and then fitting my friends around as well and and I think that it was a very um chilled time and I think everyone needs to have that time of being single so you can actually learn to love yourself and learn to realize what you want out of a relationship because you can't start being in a relationship or looking for a relationship unless you truly love and respect yourself um and I think that I mean I, I'm not taking the mic at all but Callum was 
single a lot longer than I was. Um, but I think that um, by doing that, I, I, I don't know. I think it's it's made you who you are. I think that you've by by being single for a little bit longer than I was. I think it, it it's made you find Lily, and I think that Lily is a is a great person to have come into your life. Um, and I think that this is the thing that don't ever go chasing relationships i think it's very easy with the pressure of society pressure of your friends of trying to get you into a relationship the time will come when a relationship comes about don't keep chasing it you will you'll be surprised the time that you stop looking for it um it will actually come your way that it will come round when you least expect it um and i think the most important thing is ensuring that you yourself are happy the 100 percent of the time um and i think that as much as relationships can be fantastic at the same time they can be um heartbreaking as well and at that point you should also make sure that you get out of relationships because i think callum do you think i'm right in saying that it is also it has to be as much as it's right to ensure that your partner is um happy you always also have to put yourself first to ensure that you are happy because otherwise relationships can turn quite toxic yeah definitely i mean you've always got a i think the it's a, a bit of advice i have not just and nothing really to do with being in a relationship or anything like that but just in general in life so in terms of if you're experiencing a situation maybe sometimes put yourself in front of the set of an outsider looking in and see whether or not you would think what is happening to you is is healthy or the, the response you're doing is correct and things like that and just just think about that sometimes because you might then realize that maybe this relationship or what I'm doing isn't isn't necessarily right for me yeah yeah absolutely um and how do you think this poll is going to go um I think that 60 percent of people will say yes what about you yeah, I'm going to say 75% of people will say yes, but there is only one way to find out, and that's for all of you lovely people to go and vote on this poll. Uh, does having a romantic partner change your life? And new to that, wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. And we'll be back after this break. So welcome back. Uh, so before that break, we asked, does having a romantic partner change your life? And to find out the results of that poll, please go to on, onto our Twitter page. That's at Wiz Radio. So unfortunately, once again, it has got to that time where Callum and I do have to say bye bye. So thanks for listening to To Be Discussed with Cuff and Go. We do really hope you've enjoyed this episode. So as mentioned earlier, for the first segment of next show we want you to send in your question for me and George to answer. You can send in those questions by email to station at wizardradio.co.uk or through Twitter that's at wizardradio. So remember to send in your questions for George and I to answer and we're really looking forward to trying to answer those next <laughs> week. It is now time for George and I to say ciao for now. So I've been having a and I've been George Cup. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week at the same time and the same place for another episode of To Be Discussed.
Ohio. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.